You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Bruntz, Brian Christofferson here on a Wednesday morning in April. We are still a little more than, what, 10 days away from the spring game, so that's still coming up upon us. Bruntz, are we going to do a draft next week? And are you uh, going to take all the quarterbacks again? <laughs> I, I, My dream of running an option-based offense will live on. Um, we should do a hype cast, though. We're, well, we're definitely doing a hype cast. That that okay. I already planned on. Do we okay. want to guess? Do I need to find somebody? You don't have to. Okay. I, well, I'd, I'd be hyped be, for the spring game. I'd want it to be someone random, like that we've never had on before. So I'll I'll work on that, see if anyone comes to mind. But, okay. uh, yeah, so we'll have a hype cast for sure next week. Unclear if we're going to do a draft. Uh, probably won't since we're doing the hype cast, but. That's for next week. This week, we're still talking Nebraska football as they prepare for the spring game. And we're going to spend some time on the wide receiver position here to start things off. We'll dive into the in-state commitment from Ashton Murphy, the new offer from Nebraska in-state, a little bit of recruiting at the end of the podcast. But to start with, we will start at the wide receiver position. Garrett McGuire spoke yesterday. Uh, first time he's talked since his initial introduction press conference. What uh, what did you guys make of Garrett McGuire, and at what point will his age no longer be the defining narrative when we talk about Garrett McGuire? I, I think mean, I've, uh, I've moved on. Yeah. Have you? Moved I on? have too. I was a little surprised. I wasn't there yesterday. Full disclosure, it was a little surprised at how many of the tweets and how much of the conversation was still about his age. I don't. I guess I don't care. Um, at this point, like he's Nebraska's wide receivers coach. I think he's going to do just fine with it. Uh, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. But I was a little surprised how much age was still a part of this conversation. Yeah, I think uh, I think Matt Rule's uh, fully prepared for everyone to move on from that conversation yeah. from the sound of things. <clears throat> and I think I think that's fair. Um, he's he's impressive when you go over there and watch him operate and just how detailed he is. I have a frog in my throat as I talk about it, but um, I, I think um, he's got the respect of those guys pretty quickly and his office has become a hangout spot, um, you know, for, for players to go over film and stuff like that. And uh, he basically runs the seven on seven drills, like in the second half of practice and rule talked about how he knows the progression of every position and all that stuff. And, um, you know, if, if you ask like DJ Moore to stand on the table for him, we got to stand on the table. Yes. I love uh, it. A reference the other day, he said DJ Moore would stand on the table for Garrett McGuire and he wasn't afraid to coach, you know, $18 million a year guys tough. So, um, I think, uh, I think people move on from it pretty quickly once we get actually playing football but we're in that time of year where it's sort of you just people recirculate certain topics i think 
I'm excited to see if DJ Moore's going to stand on the table for Justin Fields after those bounce passes this fall. We'll, we'll, we'll see. On <laughs> Brunt, what are your thoughts on Garrett McGuire? Yeah, he's impressive. Um, you know, we've, we've gotten to see more uh, more practice than we have in, in recent recent uh, history. But I think what – I mean, he's he's very energetic. He coaches his guys hard. I mean, I think that's – that and it's not just him either. I mean, I think there's guys that are very, um, you know, that they, they demand. They're demanding. This is this is a demanding coaching staff. Is that fair to say? And yeah. I, I would my my sense is is that if you're looking for a narrative, you're going to going to assume that Garrett McGuire is going to let guys get by with stuff. He's not going to coach guys hard. He's going to be, you know, whatever the whatever, I guess, however you view a 24-year-old or what they should be like. But, I mean, this is a, a, a coach who is, you know, very mature beyond his experience. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's fast-tracked um, from what everything we've heard, not just from, you know, stuff on at, at the podium, but elsewhere, but kind of on that fast track for, you know, a, a damn good coaching career. So, I get the, narr- the the spring narrative. I think sometimes spring narratives kind of get locked in a little bit, but you know, I'll be eager to see what that group ends up producing because I mean, we should discuss this. Um, it's a unique group, um, but with a lot of guys that have not been productive at Nebraska, a lot of newcomers, guys with different kind of paths back. You've got guys that have been in the program for a couple of years who have done nothing uh, on the field yet. So how do you kind of make that whole picture make sense, um, you know, on, on the field this season? I mean, that that's going to be the challenge for Garrett McGuire. And I don't know that it's just a one-year fix. I mean, it feels like this is a group that you, you need to keep guys around. You need to keep guys in the program. You need to recruit well, and you need to develop them. Um while they're there too so it the the challenge is big for him i think and and regardless of what his age is uh with, with that group he inherited well i think you laid out why his age isn't relevant nebraska had multiple coordinators that were wide receiver coaches that were in their 50s that were longtime experienced coaches and their recruiting and development led exactly to garrett mcguire inheriting a room that doesn't have anyone from the 2019 2020 uh classes in it so and then if they do, it'd be Xavier Betts, who wasn't and then now is. So it's a, it's a situation where whatever Nebraska had before wasn't working, so why would anyone scoff at the age of this guy and assume that it won't work either because the experienced veteran coaches put Nebraska in this hole. I think wide receiver is a really tough thing to figure out with this team right now because um, you don't have – that many of them and there's a lot of question marks with everybody there including even a guy like billy kemp where can he stay healthy enough to contribute because that was an issue for him but also can he adjust to a completely new team like i we've we've kind of fallen into this where you've gotten samari Toure and you've gotten trey palmer and i think it makes it seem like it's super easy to just go get this wide receiver that's going to come in and be a force in the big 10 i don't think it always works out that way um, and I, I don't know that I expect Billy Kemp to necessarily lead the team in receiving, but as you kind of size this up, Brian, I mean, 
who do you think the three most likely guys are to be Nebraska's top three receivers by the end of the year? Um, Billy Kemp, Marcus Washington, and those are the easy two. Yeah, you know, Fleeks could be the third, but I, I'm gonna uh, take a a slight risk, not a major one, and say I IGC Garcia Castaneda. Um, I, I got the sense we, we did talk about him a little yesterday and Brunts was over by, um, Garcia Castaneda so he could speak, uh, better on it. Um, but it felt like Rule and McGuire were really happy with him, Like, just like how dependable he's been and just like his skill set. And I remember how excited I was about him as a player. I, after that first game last year in Dublin, I mean, I, well, we his wrote, first career catch was, a. Go up and get it in the end zone for a touchdown. You know the play, though, that actually got me, like, really pumped about him was when he fumbled before that. <laughs> it was. Well, I, first off, I think he was down, but you he are. was fighting for extra yards. That's neither here nor there. But before that, like, f- the 15 yards that he uh, traversed before the fumble uh, was like, oh, this guy's kind of fun in space. Like, that's what stuck out to me, and I have not gotten that out of my head. So – um, I think he could be really effective in this offense. And so I put him in my top three. Yeah, I don't know what happened with with Isaiah Garcia Castaneda and Mickey Joseph that resulted in him basically entering the doghouse and never coming out of it and then leaving the team in October. But I I recall last spring the whispers from the previous coaching staff was, hey, like we really like Trey Palmer, but the the you know Robin to his Batman could very easily be Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. Like he, he was someone that they were pretty excited about. He was a little nicked up early in the spring. And so they didn't see a lot about him, but I I think there's a lot of enthusiasm for what he could be over there. And then of course he has that first game and you think, okay, all right, here we go. And then it just never progressed from there. So he, I don't think that you're out too far on a limb on that one. I, you guys feel free to correct me. I don't view Joshua Fleeks is anything more than a guy who can kind of help set a tone for that room and sort of help Garrett McGuire, at least in terms of giving him a veteran leader that can kind of, you know, run what he needs to run and, and show the other guys what they need to be doing kind of thing. I just, there's, there's not a lot of production in his history that makes me think that we're going to see like a 400 yard season out of, out of Josh Fleeks. Am I, where do what do you guys think about that? Am I like too far to one end of the spectrum there? Um, I don't know. I mean, you're you're right. The production hasn't. I mean, he hasn't put up big numbers in his in his career. I mean, I think, I think there's gonna be. I think he's gonna have more opportunity at Nebraska sure. than what he had. I think, I think he has a potential role on special teams as a returner if if he keeps on the trajectory he's on. Um. I, I get the sense that this offense is going to be a little bit more democratic in the way that the ball is spread around than than what we've kind of seen the last few years. I mean, I, I what don't, do you mean by that? Well, I I, I don't just don't think there's going to be you, you're not going to have like forty percent of the balls going to one player like it was with Trey Palmer. Like I I think it's going to be spread around a lot more. I think it's going to be I can see Billy Kemp leading the team in catches, but maybe not yards. Like I. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the kind of receiver that he can be. Um, you know, we we haven't mentioned him. I mean, there's still 
a road back for Alante Brown. Um, he's, you know, not, not with the team right now, but you know, that, that, that's still out there. Um, you know, the other thing too, I mean, Malachi Coleman's been at every practice that we've been to, um, right on the hip of the offensive coaches. I mean, that, that to me is a a good sign of his buy-in and how dialed in he is with things. Um, you know, he, he's got the skill set, I think, to potentially help them right away. So I, I, it feels like a group that's going to have to be strong in, in its numbers rather than, you know, just an elite player. Cause I don't, I don't know, aside from Garcia Castaneda, he did it in his, in the Juco ranks, but I don't know that right now they have a guy that's just going to go out, win a one-on-one and take a top off a of defense. Is that, is that fair to say? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, that guy would be Xavier Betts if they have a guy like that. And I don't know what to expect out of him in his first year back with the team. Um, and he was a gadget player on the previous team. So, um, can he go be that guy? I don't, I don't know. I, I think he has the, the physical tools to be that guy, I guess, but can he put himself in position and be consistent daily and day out to, to be the person in that rep? I don't know. Um, your Malachi Coleman point is really interesting. Uh, I wrote about this for, for something else the other day. And I, you kind of just forget, like he's, he's going to be there in June and the, the receiver room isn't so deep that, if he's able to flash early potential, like they're going to give him that opportunity. You know, I don't think he's destined necessarily for a red shirt and he's been over there so much that he's certainly putting in the time to try to learn what he can now uh, so that he can hit the ground running when he's there. Uh, He's certainly someone that's interesting. A guy that I know Brian Christopherson has liked quite a bit uh, since he emerged last year, Marcus Washington. I, I think he's a really good number two wide receiver. Like, does that make sense? Like, I, I don't know that he can – I don't know that he's a dependable go-to catch seven balls a game kind of guy, but he he can help you out as an outside wide receiver, and I, I think you're going to get some production there. I just don't know, you know, Nebraska's been blessed the last couple of years to have these kind of stars at wide receiver. I don't know that they're going to have that in 2023, but I think you can probably spread it out enough that you can get enough production by committee. Um, but I just don't know that there's a go-to guy in critical situations for him. Maybe that's a good thing. I feel like it's gotten a little top-heavy. Yeah, it has. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be fine. Bruns was hidden on that point. Like, I, I'd be fine if it were a deal where it, like, spread out pretty well to five or six guys, and you felt like, oh, the fourth or fifth guy, you you can really bank on him. And you're, I get your point about Marcus Washington. I'm sure he's eager to show – um, he can do more, but the one thing that's nice about his, uh, his base level is that even at that from last season, he caught at least two passes in 11 of the 12 games. And so that's nice. You know, that's nice. If you have that type of guy who, even if it's two or three a game that he's bringing you, yeah, that you'll take that, um, <clears throat> bets. It sounds like is doing all the right stuff, you know, off the field and really kind of getting back into it. And I would say that best thing i can say there is when you watch him practice he doesn't look like a guy who's been out of football to me or anything like that and i always think of the xavier bets in it's actually the first half of that game they blew at michigan state when the the punt but the first half of that game if people remember unless i'm misremembering it but xavier had like he was a problem for the spartans 
Like, but then he it, had kind of like an injury and he didn't play the yeah. fourth quarter in overtime or something. Yeah, he did. He kind of did. I can't remember exactly what transpired, but he did disappear later in the game. But that first half was like, okay, that is what could be like a glimpse mm-hmm. of it. Like five, six catches, just dominant. Like you couldn't really mark him one on one. He was just bodying guys out of the way. And um, if that guy can show up by the time you get to the fall, then you got something. And the other big quote was, you mentioned Malachi Coleman rule said flat out like, yeah, we're the doors open for those guys to have some guys that make, you know, have some flashes. So uh, we've talked about it on this show. You don't have to be a freshman that comes in here and sets the world on fire with 35 catches necessarily. Let's say you have five to seven catches throughout the season, but you make that one or two, you know, a big splash play that we're writing a sidebar about in September. That's a pretty good start for a, a couple of those guys if that happens. It's a it's do we do we need a new terminology for for sidebars because they don't really exist on the internet anymore? Oh yeah, probably. You're so old. Should we work on that? <laughs> uh no, like but in going back to the wide receiver question, what you're what you're saying about, you know, if you have guys that catch like you know, two, three balls a game that you can count on. I mean, if, if you're combining that with a tight end group where, you know, we've heard that they're, they're going to play a lot of two tight end sets, maybe some three tight end sets. And you can kind of mix that in with what you've got a wide receiver. You know, maybe you get Ramir Johnson involved in the passing game, get the backs involved. I mean, I, I think that's a, a pretty good holistic approach on offense that, you can you can work with that in the passing game. I mean, I, I and I think they're going to have to. Like, I, I I just don't know that there's, you know, a, a, there's not a there's not a guy that's going to go, you know, have at least every game probably a seven catch hundred yard game. Like, it's just not not going to be happening. So, and I think too that also plays into what they think they have at tight end. I mean, I, I think they like that group. I think you know if you get Eric get Eric Gilbert. Um, eligible immediately um you've got Fedoni there I, I I think they feel good about kind of what that picture looks like too so I think they can make that work um even though it's maybe not you know the 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 passing offense that we've seen of the last few years where you have a guy that's pushing pushing that thousand yard mark now the question that has to be asked when we have this discussion and I think it's a fair one does this offense have a playmaker yet and do we know who that is because he we can talk all day till we're blue in the face about how they have enough guys to, you know, put together a passing attack and all of it. But we've seen teams in Nebraska reading recent history that you can't chunk your way down the field all the time, especially if your offensive line isn't very good. Like you got to have some big play threat to it. And I don't know who that guy is necessarily. I want to say AJ Allen could be that guy, uh, but I don't know if he's going to be the starting running back. I don't. I don't necessarily know who that guy is in the passing game. It could be a Malachi Coleman if he emerges. You know, it could be an Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. But you guys know what I'm talking about. Like you got to get. You got to have someone who can get you some chunk yardage. Yeah. You know, rather than just relying on seven yard catches to move down the field. I think the biggest thing is honestly going to be if they can find that QB who not only values the football, but he just has a knack for extending plays. And um, whether it's uh, to me, I mean, we're talking about chunk plays here and I get that 
the explosives. But to me, the biggest thing is, can this be a team that like on third and five has a sort of QB who in those situations is just a bear for the defense to try to defense, you know, like he's going to find a way to get seven yards to the sideline, move the sticks or he'll extend it and he'll uh, hit his tight end for a 10 yard pass. I think that a lot of it's going to come down to that. Um, And, and that's why the, I would say one of the biggest things that I didn't know anything about with the rule staff when they came in, but we've learned is the QB run game is going to be vitally important, you know, and I, I just, I just didn't doubt that could be a possibility, but I had no idea where they stood on it. But I think when you listen to even Satterfield um, talk in January about like having that sort of weapon that gets you out of the quicksand on days when your offense is kind of scuffling a bit, um, it's just going to be so large. And I think that's also why it's been a good spring for Heinrich Harburg because it fits his skill set really well. Yep. Absolutely. I, I agree with all of that. And that's something that kind of remains to be seen what a Jeff Sims could look like in that situation if he were to be the guy. All right. We're going to take a quick time out here. When we come back, we're going to dive into some recruiting, some in state recruiting. Nebraska picked up commitment number three. On Tuesday night, Ashton Murphy from Elkhorn South joins the class. We'll discuss that. We'll talk about the newest offer that went out in-state and a little bit more recruiting-wise when we return here on the Husker 24-7 podcast. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Cruton time. All right, Nebraska picks up a commitment. Ashton Murphy. Brunch, you and I saw Ashton at the Warren Academy thing in January when they had a uh, event for kind of the top guys in the state to come work out, show what they could do, uh, put some combine testing numbers up there and, and kind of, you know, in some situations, elevate a profile. Ashton Murphy was someone I really wanted to see that Sunday. Uh, we watched him, you know, we watched him go through a series of drills and, and the combine workouts. And you could tell that he was pretty well put together. The numbers didn't blow the doors off of anything. Like it wasn't like he went out, and have these massive testing numbers. You could just sort of see that physically he was pretty well put together. I know that he was a big part of what they were doing at Alcorn South. And, and you know, the, the coach there felt pretty strongly. He's a power five guy. What were your impressions, if you remember, of Ashton Murphy? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit on it really well. Um, you know, the, the testing numbers that day, I don't know that there was really anybody that was there that day that kind of blew the doors off testing-wise. But... Um, you know, I think the the frame, you, you like kind of what the long-term view is there for him as a potential uh, defensive lineman, which is kind of where Nebraska is looking at him right now. Um, you know, his recruitment was kind of starting to take off. Um, he got the Colorado offer early, then Nebraska offered, and you're starting to see more and more programs kind of take uh, take notice of him. And, you know, I, I he's a guy to me that if – things that kind of dragged on into the spring evaluation period, you'd probably start seeing some bigger offers or more power five offers, I should say, um, coming his way. But, 
you know, I, I think Nebraska did a really nice job of of recruiting him quickly. I mean, you, I talked to him after he made an unofficial visit to Nebraska in the spring, and they they did a good job of really kind of hammering the the academic side of it. That was a really big thing for him. And I, I know that he came off that visit feeling really good about the staff because that was really the first time that he'd been around him a lot. But making sure that everything kind of around football uh, made a ton of sense, too. And for kind of how he fits into Matt Rule's profile and, and what they evaluate for, he's also a thrower. Um, he's I, I think he told me he was already throwing over 55 in the shot. Um, was starting to do dis, discus. Um, so it, it, it fits um, with, with what they evaluate for. And, you know, I, I think he's a, a guy that can be a really good developmental player for Nebraska. Can I ask a really stupid question that maybe you guys might be able to answer or someone, one of our listeners would be able to answer? What is it? Because Nebraska is far from the only staff and previous mm-hmm. Nebraska staffs have felt this. And I've seen it from other coaches. What is it about like the throwing for the big men in track that get people so excited? Is it like, cause I, I don't even know how it really works. I've never covered it. I've rarely ever watched it. I think I went and watched Cam Jurgens at least once or twice. Is it like an explosion thing that is transferable in terms of athleticism? What, what are we talking about when we're talking about, um, you know, teams really like when their offensive linemen, especially uh, and defensive linemen, are, are good throwers. Like, is that the transferable athletic skill set? I get basketball. I get wrestling. I understand the footwork and all of that. The thing with the the throwing, I just, I don't, I don't know where it comes from or what it is. So I, I remember Barton Simmons um, used to always talk about uh, the Vanderbilt GM, Barton Simmons, the former 24 seven sports director of scouting now at Vanderbilt um, used to talk about that a lot um, with, especially the, the disc um, because with, with the shot, it, you can kind of, if, if you're strong, you can kind of get through it and, and just, you know, and, and actually Ashton Murphy talked to me about this a little bit. You, you can kind of just get by with, with brute strength on, on the shot. But when it comes to the discus, it's a lot of technique. It's a lot of timing. It's explosiveness. It's kind of a combination of everything. And, you know, Barton used to say that, you know, it, especially with the throws and with bigger guys, if, if a guy could could throw the disc um, and, and do it well, that was a pretty good indication of just overall athletic ability. And if you think about think about Nebraska recruits in the past who have been kind of elite throwers in the, in the discus, Cam Jurgens, um, you know, just great athleticism, obviously. Um, both Davis brothers um, yep. were exceptional throwers uh, in the disc. Um, so, and, and those guys, I mean, the, the Davis brothers were running sprints when they were freshmen in high school, they could do standing, it's super standing, yeah. standing backflips when they were, you know, still in college. Um, you know, they were doing them in the long jump pit. I remember seeing one of them do it and you're like, okay, this is a, a totally different athlete, but that that's a good indicator. I think of for, for bigger guys that not only do you have strength, but you also have, you know, s- some agility and and the, the feet to kind of match up with that too. Jeez, that was thorough. Sorry. I no, it, it no was like, I, I was shocked. I, I was expecting like a you know short blurb nonsense idiot answer and that was good. 
Yeah, I uh, I appreciated that because I thought that it was going to be one of these things where I was going to get some DMs from people, which we do have listeners that when we have questions, I don't know if you guys get this, but I'll get I'll get like DMs and they'll explain it out. And I don't always do a good job of, of shouting those people out, but we are reading them. I usually respond to them. You you do make us smarter. But that time Brunts was all over it. I, I appreciate it. I wonder, too, is it a hip thing? Like the ability to kind of open the hips while you're being athletic too, like that's because some guys are really closed, and that you know prevents your ability to to move. Yeah, I uh, going back to your DMs. The only DMs I ever get are are from Todd Peterson about pickleball. So <laughs> those, you guys must probably welcome DM. DMs though. You, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, but it's funny. Like Ashton Murphy was talking to me about that um, a couple months ago because he was starting to do the discus and he was saying that it was a lot more technical than what he was expecting it was going to be, and he was still, you know, working through that. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's uh, one of the indicators I think of athleticism that coaches pay attention to, and I'm sure that you know, as much as you know, Matt Rule and his staff look at track times for skill position players that they're they're looking at stuff like that for. Um, for for, uh, for linemen, yeah. Can, can you tell I, me some things about the broad jump now? <laughs> broad jump. Uh, I got nothing. <laughs> All right. Was that? I love a good broad jump. Is yeah. that Robert Rands who is like the the really good broad jumper? Just jumper Pro- in general. Probably he could jump. Yeah, he could jump anywhere. Yeah, he, was, he was like an Olympic level. Yeah. Yeah. Nebraska's got all those guys now. Jeremiah Charles is doing fifty mm-hmm. plus in the in the triple jump, and yet um, uh, Jaden Lloyd at Omaha West Side, kind of the same same kind of stratosphere. They they've got if a football game ever is tied and they want to do a long or triple jump triple jump off to decide it, I, I like Nebraska's chances. Well, hey, and I think the secret's out on Gatlin Bear. Um, yeah, you know who Nebraska had targeted as a top wide receiver and. There was some real skepticism on our message board as to why this guy from Ohio, or excuse me, not even Ohio, why this guy from Idaho would uh, would rank it towards the top of Nebraska's board at wide receiver. Mm. I think that ten, the ten one eight probably did it for a few people. Maybe it, it you know opened up the idea that yeah, it might be worth following this down the path, even if there's a Mormon mission here and you have to wait two years. That's a rare level of athleticism, but. All right, let's uh, let's finish up with Ashton Murphy. I, I got a couple thoughts mm. here, and I, I just want to know where you guys land on this. He reminded me a lot of Mason Goldman, who Nebraska took at the very end of their class uh, in the 2023 class. And what I mean by that is Mason Goldman was a really good player in the Metro and Gretna, a guy that was a pretty good athlete, that it felt like he was maybe being a little overlooked because he wasn't just dynamic or super explosive, but could play on either side of the ball. And that's exactly what Ashton Murphy is to me. Like he's, he's, and I think Nebraska and the state of Nebraska has those kind of guys in every single class. Like, I think that you're going to look and see a Mason Goldman or an Ashton Murphy in almost every class moving forward. And I think the staff is pretty well positioned to identify those guys and, and get on them, um, you know, quicker than what we saw with Mason Goldman. Um, like we just saw with Ashton Murphy. So I I really feel like there's two types of things that Nebraska can go into their own state for every single year. One of them is tight end, as we're going to discuss here real quickly. There's another one. 
And the other one is is kind of that offensive lineman, defensive lineman, six foot three and a half to six five, where you can play on either side, and they already kind of have that built. I mean, I think a lot of former Nebraska teams were built on these kinds of players, formerly as walk-ons or sometimes on scholarship, that turned out to be pretty good. And I think future Nebraska teams, like these guys exist. They're out there. I mean, they're more likely to find that than you are a Malachi Coleman in the state of Nebraska, and that's why he stood out so much. But I, I do think that there's a a version of this where every year you see these kinds of players. Like, I, I just think Bob Wager probably doesn't have to go to Texas every year to find tight ends. Um, and I think he's going to find a lot of them right here in the Midwest. And so with that being said, uh, Brunch, would you like to discuss Nebraska's most recent offer? Yeah, it, I I. I want to pile on your point because it's a, it's an important one. I think like <clears throat> when you can find those guys closer to home, those guys stick in your program a lot longer than they develop. If you have a development de- developmental player who's from Omaha or somewhere in Nebraska, they're going to stick it out a heck of a lot longer if they're not playing the first two years than somebody that's from Florida or California. I mean, I, I think Nebraska's recent recruiting has kind of borne that out that, I think there's a lot more value in, in in taking those guys from closer to home. And if if Matt Rule is going to have what he believes is a truly developmental program, I think those are the guys that you need to start stacking early on. Get them in your in your pipeline and, and start bringing them along. And I mean, you've seen this spring, you know, the numbers aren't where they like it at offensive line. They they need those th- this class coming in, the sledge, the Knutson to to be ready to go in a couple of years. And I just, I mean, you look at the last few portal classes that have, have left Nebraska. It's been a lot of those types of guys that, you know, have gone home because it, it's easy to do that when you're from farther away. So I, I think it absolutely makes sense to, to, to offer those guys closer to home, get them in the program and just start bringing them along. Yeah. I, I agree with all of that. I really do. Uh, sorry. So tight end offer, uh, closer to home, uh, Eric Ingerson, Ingerson, um, at Papio, uh, Papillon Vista picked up a Nebraska offer last night. He's number eight. Um, I believe for in-state offers in the 24 class, uh, BT, currently- can you name all eight? Go. Uh, <laughs> no, I can't. Not offhand. <laughs> it's hard. It is. I could, I'd I have could, to, I could get I'd five have to- or six. Yeah. But anyway, go on Browns. So he, he's currently committed to Pitt, committed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that was his first Power 5 offer. And um, you know, Nebraska is going to see if they can get in there and, and you know see what they can find out. I know Brian, you exchanged some messages with him kind of about where things stand. But he's 6'7", 235, 240. Um, kind of an interesting frame. But w- what's Nebraska see in him long-term potentially? <clears throat> Yeah, he he just mentioned in the message exchange it was DL or D line or tight end, and he got the offer from Matt Rule um, specifically. Um, and I I kind of asked it was at a text exchange, so you know you know those sometimes you only get so much information out of those. But I asked sort of where what he's thinking with the process with being a pit commit and all that, and he. For good reason, probably didn't want to go too deep into that right now. He's just gonna let the pro- he's just gonna work hard and let the process play itself out. But um, you know, I have to think Nebraska's got a pretty good chance with an in-state guy like that, and it it clearly meant a lot to him that he got that offer. 
And, um, you know, Bob Wager, who was mentioned earlier, um, I think is, is finding, as you guys said, that there's, there's pretty good tight end prospects around this state. It just feels like they're everywhere. They really are. I mean, I keep joking. I'm going to do a story about this, but you can go back to Austin Allen and start there, even Noah Fant, and you can draw a pretty impressive run of tight ends just from the state of Nebraska, or if you wanted to include council bluffs uh, as well as kind of the, the metro area, they've had a number of power five tight ends, and I don't think it's stopping anytime soon. I I think this guy in particular is the kind of player that Nebraska, this staff would have wanted in camp, but probably wasn't going to get without having an offer here. So um, I think that he and future versions of him would have been in camp and they would have seen him as a freshman or a sophomore or a junior uh, well before this point. But you don't have that sort of opportunity when you show up in December. And so I, I think that he was someone that they have they invited, you know, to to their stuff early. He's not someone that's been ignored by any means by this staff or the previous staff who identified him as someone to know, too. Uh, but it just hadn't resulted in an offer. And I think that maybe would have been coming out of camp. And so, uh, you know, that's not going to happen now. But I, I think they have a, a fair shot at him. And I don't think that he's going to be a tight end. I mean, I, I think he's going to end up on the offensive line or the defensive line at that frame. Uh, but you know, what he's recruited as now and what he ultimately ends up playing, two different things. And so uh, he's, a, he's another interesting guy. I mean, it's a it has been a great run for the state of Nebraska in terms of high school players these last few years. And it doesn't feel like it's stopping anytime soon. I mean, they already have a number of offers for 2025. They got offers for 2026. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's going to be some 2027s coming. Uh, I think there already was a 2027. So, um, you know, this isn't, this isn't slowing down anytime soon, and I am very interested how it goes in trying to retain a lot of these guys. It hasn't gone particularly well uh, for Nebraska the last couple cycles, um, but if they can start stacking some wins, it's going to be a lot easier to keep some of these players closer to home for the very reason that Brunt's <clears throat> mentioned. I mean, I think that you get real buy-in uh, when these guys grow up around the program, and you get a little bit more of, okay, you know, I'm close to home. My family's here. My girlfriend's here. People know about Nebraska football here. You're more willing to, to kind of stick it out, you know, and we know what it means to some of these guys. Like, I don't know if Ethan Piper is going to be a starter on Nebraska's offensive line, but I know damn well that guy's working as hard as he can uh, and doing everything he can to make Nebraska football as good as it can be because he's invested in it. And I don't I don't mean to say you don't get that from people outside of here, but sometimes they're more willing to work through the struggles that an Ethan Piper has faced because they are from here and they're not going to cut and run to the transfer portal. So mm. I, I do think in-state recruiting is going to be really big for Nebraska moving forward. And here's a couple of examples, you know, right here in this second week of April, anything else you guys want to hit <clears throat> on recruiting wise before we shut down this podcast for today? Not for me. You can shut her down as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Power it down. Turn yeah. the lights out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you heard it from them. We are uh, we're done here, but we're never done anywhere because unlike a newspaper, you don't have to wait for the sidebar to show up the next morning. <laughs> we're there all the time. We had stories run last night. We aren't even going to talk about Nebraska baseball, but they played uh, and we had a, we had a story that went up late. We'll, we'll dive into it on the Friday podcast. Brunskin 
preview the weekend and what's ahead for Nebraska baseball at that point and how they recover from their latest loss. But all of that can be found at Husker 24-7. Open all hours of the day. Maybe you like to read your news at 2 in the morning. We're probably not publishing thing at that time, though I think my cohorts, BC and Brunts, have run stories around that time before the past. So you never know. If, if that's your if that's your jam, 24-7 stands for 24-7. Exactly. Our site is up all the time. Be sure to check it out, husker247.com. Plenty of content, more coming from practice throughout the week, more recruiting. There's a camp that I'll be going to on Sunday that uh, some Nebraska kids and area kids will be at, so there'll be plenty of coverage of that. Spring game is coming. Visitors are going to be here this weekend, confirmed one of them. Uh, I have to look up his name, Ty Anthony Smith, I believe, will be here, a linebacker uh, this weekend. Uh, so, you know, plenty of stuff going on with the site. So be sure to check out everything at Husker247.com. We'll be back with another podcast end of this week.